Ladies and gentlemen, now hosting the Rizzo cast, put your hands together for Steven Risotto. What is going on, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 109 of Rizzo cast. I'm Steven Risotto, and today we are joined by Jasper Lindsay, who makes his return to the show. Jasper, how you doing? What's going on we with good, you? Steve. Good to be back. Decided to talk some ball. And making his first appearance on any type of podcast whatsoever is our guy here, Sam Fosberg. Uh, Sam, what's going on? Nothing much. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, and Sam is actually doing some big things right now. He's uh, currently in the middle of a journalism gig that uh do you want to explain it yourself go ahead and in the cape cod league tell us about it yeah yeah i'll go ahead um so this past winter i was pretty much just applying for some internships uh saw on the hyannis harbor hawks twitter account that they're looking for some writers i've done a little bit of writing myself with uh, overtime heroics if any of you have ever heard of that but um yeah i got the internship was pretty fired up for it and um I'm just kind of writing some post-game and pre-game articles and then doing some live Twitter feed for the Harbor Hawks. So it's, it's been a blast so far. I'm learning a lot from, from other guys and just like the coaching staff and, and just like the other people helping out with all the interns, but uh, can't complain at all. Just living with my grandparents down the Cape right now. So it's, there's a lot worse places to be than down in Cape Cod. So uh, it's been great. Yeah. It's been, it's been fun. Absolutely. And he's got the, uh, the Twitter account uh, that everybody should follow at, discuss baseball go check that out because it's really good stuff um i learn a lot every time i see your tweets man so appreciate that Thanks, i appreciate um, it uh so what i kind of wanted to do here is we, we kind of wanted to dig into uh somebody had asked uh you know what do you think of, i always get asked what do you think about the shift what do you think about the pitch clock um and it all kind of combines in my mind to how to get the younger generation back into baseball because we're losing, you know, we're losing viewers, we're losing even athletes to basketball and football. They're just, they seem more interesting for them, I guess. Um, so I figured that, you know, I'd kind of, you know, bring some people on and we could talk about some of the changes and some of the, uh, the current state of baseball from someone who's maybe a little bit younger and not your average 50 year old male watcher of baseball. Right. So that's kind of what we think of when we think of baseball viewers, uh, but first, we want to get to some current day stuff. Um, obviously, the 2022 season's well underway. We're recording this on June 23rd. You know, very much. Um, I guess there's some pennant races that are happening. Some are, some some teams are kind of running away with their division. Other teams are, you know, it's going to look more interesting down the stretch. But um, I was wondering if if you guys have seen any storylines or any surprises that you've noticed throughout the season. Jasper, I'll start with you. What is kind of, you know, some storylines around the game at this current time in the 2022 season that kind of intrigue you? I mean, I got to say the Cleveland Guardians. This is a team last time, or this time last year, we were talking about trading Shane Bieber, Saval. Um, but their rotation is solid. I love Tristan McKenzie, uh, Jose Ramirez a guy a lot of people wrote off a couple of years back is back to being one of the best players of baseball. Um, and they've kind of come out of nowhere this season. I think everyone expected the White Sox to really run away with that division. The Minnesota Twins, another surprise team there in the Central. Um, but the Guardians have just been exciting to watch, and they're playing great baseball in Cleveland. Yeah, definitely. Jose Ramirez, who is literally 
going to be in a two-person race for MVP with uh, Aaron Judge in the American League. And he can uh, move, too. He can swipe back. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, he's very athletic. I guess, like, opposed to, like, what, obviously, the body type and just looking at him, he, he does have the ability to move for sure. Sam, what about you? Any surprises? Yeah, um, kind of going off uh, what you just said about Aaron Judge being the MVP, um, that's not really a huge surprise for me, but just the Yankees in general. Um, I mean, I'm a Red Sox fan, so I'm kind of stuck in that loaded AL East as a fan. But um, just the, I, I didn't really expect them to play like so well. I actually had the Blue Jays for my, uh, my preseason predictions for winning that division. I thought it was kind of their year to like be ready. And they've played well, too. Don't get me wrong. But um, I mean, the Yankees are just like they're on pace for what, like 120 wins or something like that. It's just like it's pretty impressive how uh, how Aaron Boone's been able to get them to just play every day so solid even it seems like in games that they're losing it seems like they're still playing like really really well and that pitching staff is it's just crazy like tie-ons kind of emerged and Nestor Cortez is really like I'm a Red Sox fan but I, I gotta admit he's really fun to watch so uh just kind of the Yankees in general just being like so dominant is uh is a bit shocking for me I don't know what about you guys but yeah yeah and whoever the hell Clay Holmes is in the bullpen is just disgusting uh, they have a few guys with significant movement in the bowl. Michael King, I think, is another one. But, you know, Yankees are good. And what I would say is I, I was thinking about this last night. I was like, God, who's – I guess one team that sticks out, there's a few. But I'll narrow it down here. I think the Phillies are kind of disappointing, I guess, in a lot of ways. Um, they're kind of a surprise for me in that I thought that there would be a little bit more competitive. Um but then again, there's an aspect to where I'm not surprised. You know, I, we, we knew that they were assembling a team full of kind of DHs, you know, Nick Castellanos, Kyle Schwarber. I mean, you signed them in the same offseason, and then you have Bryce Harper go down with the elbow injury. He can't play the outfield right now. So you're just like, you're just screwed, you know, defensively. And like, you, you don't have any infield defense either. There's just there, there's no really athleticism on this team in terms of defense and it's really hurting them. Um, and their bullpen has never been good. Like the last five years, I mean, they had a historically bad bullpen in 2020 and then like they added um, uh, what's his name from the, Corey Knable. It's like, that's not your savior. Corey Knable is the only guy they added into the mix. So yeah, that's an issue. And I think the angels, again, I, you know, obviously we expect something out of them every year, but it just went, it got really bad for the angels. <laughs> they just never have any pitching and they always go out and get the Matt Harvey's and the Julio Tehran's and the, um, you know, those type of arms. And it's just never going to work with that. I mean, they missed out on Garrett Cole, but um, you know, Rendon was looking like a horrible deal. He's never healthy. He's never on the field. So yeah, I guess there's a few surprises and mostly disappointments, I guess, um, yeah. for, for my side of things. But um, yeah. So anyways, one of the big things about about baseball is that we get to watch a lot of young players. And I think that's one thing that baseball could continue to market really well. Uh, and there's a few of them that kind of stand out. And I know um, you guys might have some some young players that you've been interested in, in seeing over the maybe past few years or this season, Jasper, is there any young player in the game today that sticks out to you that you kind of like to uh, watch? Uh, I kind of want to talk about three guys here. The first two um, are going to be the best left side of the infield in baseball, probably in five years. And that's Aniel Cruz and Key Brian Hayes. 
Uh, Hayes can flat out hit. I mean, the power, it'll come, but he just, he gets on base. He hits, he defends really well. Um, and the Pirates probably called Cruz up to the show, and he's been a guy I've had my eye on for a couple of years. He's so exciting to watch. I mean, he threw a ball across the infield 96 miles per hour the other day and then went up to bat and hit a 120-mile-per-hour double. He's just insane, and he's freaky athletic. He's super tall, um, and as he continues to build muscle, he's just going to he's gonna be a 30-homer. He could be a 30-30 guy, honestly, 30-homer runs, 30 stolen bases. Um, and the other guy I want to talk about is a guy I've had my eye on for a while, and this is kind of like – this is the biggest, most uh, prominent, I think, win-win trade in recent memory is Zach Gallon's emergence. I mean, he's finally looking like the ace Arizona got in the Jazz Chisholm trade, and Jazz has been electric for the Marlins. So, I mean, both those players have been so fun to watch this season. Um, and, yeah, I think that's two of the most exciting players for me. Did you see that Jazz was compared to uh, – um... Why am I blanking? Dennis Rodman. Did we see that? Somebody in the Marlins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they got mad at the way I, he was dressing. They called a team meeting just to talk about the way he was dressing and his actions on the field. I don't know. I mean, you got to let the kid play. That's awful. <laughs> that's really bad. Calling someone Dennis Rodman. Um, I mean, granted, Dennis Rodman was wild, but is is Jazz Chisholm going to Vegas like in between finals games? Is that what's going on? Know. I mean, so, they are in Miami, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Sam, any good young players that you like? Yeah, yeah. Um, before we get into that, though, I just want to kind of piggyback on what Jasper said. I think those are all great picks. Um, just for the Pittsburgh Pirates in general, though, I think I was super hyped when O'Neill Cruz just got called up just because, like, I know the Pirates have been bad for a while. So to kind of get, like, Hayes and Cruz on that side of the infield, like, things are, like, finally looking up for them. So I think it's just great. Like uh, Pittsburgh's a pretty good sports city. So like when baseball is good in Pittsburgh, I think it's just good for baseball in general. That stadium is beautiful too. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. For sure. Definitely on my bucket list to go there. But um, for players, definitely want to talk about uh, Julio Rodriguez on the Mariners. I know Seattle's been really disappointing this year, and it's kind of a bummer because uh, I mean they have that playoff drought. They're just stuck in in that same kind of loop. But, uh, I mean, he's – I know he's 27th in F4 right now, which, like, doesn't sound crazy good, but he's 21 years old. It's his first season. He started off really slow, too. And I just kind of like the fact that, like, he's just so fun to watch every day. Like, he's swiping bags. He's tied for first and still in bases right now. Um, he just, like – you can tell he just loves playing the game. Like, he plays it so hard. And um, I think he's just going to be, like – Maybe he's not the heart right now because he's only 21, but like as he matures, he's just only going to get better. And he's, he's going to be the guy in Seattle for, for a lot of years to come. And then the other two I was going to talk about were kind of just Kyle Tucker and Jordan Alvarez of the Astros. I mean, those guys are kind of obvious right now. I know they both had, had some good seasons under their belts already. And like they're not super, super young, but um, I mean, Tucker and Alvarez are just, it's kind of like a, a duo that kind of emerged out of nowhere because I know like Altuve and Correa were kind of the guys when they won that 2017 World Series and like now these two guys are kind of stepping up so uh, it's been it's been kind of like a good turnover for them with Jeremy Pena too I know he's a name so um, I mean the Astros hate to say it, but like they they have a bright future ahead of themselves too so uh, yeah yeah absolutely Mauricio Dubon in the mix there too in Houston <laughs> a lot of Giants a lot of Giants fans just like I mean, he had like a 70 OPS plus or something like that. And like everybody started crying when he was traded because that's how Giants fans react when a lot of their fan favorites get traded. But 
uh, that's neither here nor there. I'm going to go with a super obvious one. So don't feel bad for picking Kyle Tucker or your Don Alvarez. I'm going to go with Juan Soto because it feels like he's like 29, right? But he's not. Juan Soto is still only 23 years old and he's having a down year, but he still somehow has a 125 weighted runs created plus on a down year. That's a down year for Juan Soto. Um, but this guy like is on track and I know that he's 23 and I know that there's an X amount of things that could happen between now and 20 years from now, but he's on track to be one of the best hitters of all time. Like not even like this guy like came up with just an insane knowledge of the strike zone. Um, I mean, a guy who walks a crazy amount, it's a little bit down this year, but strikeouts are a little bit higher than last year, but still he's going to be one of baseball's premier hitters for the next 15 years. And I don't know if his future's in Washington, who knows? I know he declined a supposed deal or reported deal Uh, who knows where he's going to end up. But if there's a team that's kind of like on the fringe or, you know, maybe needs some outfield help, left-handed hitting that are kind of a little bit eerie about trading their entire farm system away. Don't be eerie, do it, pull the trigger, unload everybody, get Juan Soto. That might be a hot take, but I'm going to say. I know Farhan was a listener. Farhan has not unloaded anybody though. And that's the, Carlos Rodon on like what, two years, 44 million. That's like the biggest he's done, but honestly somebody better unload for Juan Soto. Um, I don't know if I'm at that point where, you know, go ahead and unload for Otani. Cause I don't, you know, I think the angels still want to try and build something there, but I'm coming close on saying that for him too. unload on Otani, extend them, do all that fun stuff. But Juan Soto right now is the most premier hitter in baseball. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. Um, all right, let's, let's move on here. Let's talk about like, just as a whole, the current state of baseball, um, there's there's a lot of changes that are happening in the game um a lot of good a lot of bad um but what would you guys say is the biggest and sam i'll start with you on this one what would you say is the biggest change that you've noticed in the game in like maybe you know five ten years because i know there's there's so much happening with analytics there's so much happening with rules there's so much happening with some of the young talent that we just mentioned but if we're talking about the biggest change that you've noticed, what has it been? Yeah. Um, I know there's been a ton of changes and like COVID has changed things yeah. and the lockout last year has changed things too. So it was kind of like a few crazy years, but um, I think quietly kind of the emergence of like the stat OPS and like OPS plus and the kind of those more advanced met- metrics compared to like like I've seen like TikToks and stuff of like a oh, batting average is like a horrible stat now and like all this stuff. Like when I was a kid, like all I would look at is stats is batting average, home runs, and RBIs. And like now I find myself like after some games, like I'll be looking at stats and all I'm looking at is like WAR and OPS plus and like um, wins runs created plus or weighted runs created plus something like that. But just like yeah, kind of like the advanced stats, like even like baseball savant with like the percentages and like the hot and cold zones I think that's just been like a huge change um especially for like teams that like maybe like the Rays or the A's who like don't have a lot of money and are looking for like players like maybe they'll get a guy with like a high walk rate instead of a guy who like had like a ton of home runs or RBIs because like he's a lot cheaper so I think I'm like I know like Moneyball was a while ago but I think uh just stuff like that's continued to grow and I think uh, it's pretty obvious that like 
OPS to just like a huge stat now. So I think that's that's been one of the biggest changes I've seen. I don't know about you guys. Have you read Moneyball, Sam? I've never read it. I've I've seen I've seen the movie probably four four or five times. Um, I don't recommend like on, on the team bus rides to, to different schools and stuff when it got long bus rides. But uh, I yeah I, I should probably pick that up and start reading it. Yeah, Moneyball is definitely good, and you're gonna see that like you're gonna wonder how they made a movie because it's not the it's like the opposite of the movie. Yeah. Nothing. It's I don't know. There's, there's no correlation whatsoever. But uh, Jasper, any changes that you've seen? Um, I think just the way pitchers throw now. Uh, you got yeah. guys throwing in triple digits, and I mean the velocity is off the charts. Um, and that's led guys to work more north and south. It's more I'm coming at you, hit it or strike out. And I mean that's also has to do with the strikeout rates. Like the strikeout rates are hot. I think probably the biggest thing I've seen in the last ten years is the. Uh, changing perspective of the strikeout to just being another out rather than kind of um, more of an embarrassment. But yeah, I think you're seeing pitchers get a lot, go after hitters a lot more and a lot more missed bats as a result. Uh, also, I mean, we got to talk about the MLB juice and balls for primetime games. <laughs> is that, is that a confirmed theory for primetime games only? Uh, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I don't know. The MLB can't figure out what kind of baseball they want. That's another thing. Uh, I, know, I saw something yesterday where they were like talking neck. to, yeah, where they're talking about like we're gonna mud every ball. Like, wasn't that already happening? Like, <sighs> they're they're ridiculous, man. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. This is the Rob Manfred era of baseball. <laughs> Go off. Uh, no, I agree with you a hundred percent on pitching. That's been the biggest change. I think that's been a huge change. Um, especially like you mentioned North and South, but there's no such thing as fastball counts anymore. Like, I don't know how there ever was, uh, I guess like it's just the, the fear of walking guys, but, uh, you know, you see guys throwing, you know, their sliders and change-ups and two O counts, two, one counts, you know, one O counts. I mean, you just have to be on the defensive at all times when you're a hitter. Now there's no such thing as like a get it in fastball, um, you know, oh, breaking balls are at all time high. I mean, I just, it, it's all over the place. And, you know, I, I'd also say that the hitting and I think that's my least favorite hitting trend is that strikeouts are just being looked at as another out. Now, strikeouts, I think, are more acceptable in some cases than others. Like if you're, you know, at the plate and there's a pitch that you just can't do any damage with, you know, and you swing through it or you're trying to do damage, that, that's great. But if you're if there's a guy at second base and nobody out and, you know, you don't make some kind of adjustment. I don't know. I think the old school minded me kind of looks at the, uh, the television or the field and goes, you know, what are you doing? But yeah. also I, I think a, a negative thing um, for pitching is I want to see starters go deep into the game. I want to see start. Yeah. And, and I like, could, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I want to see starters go deep. You know, that's one aspect where I would, you know, kind of go against the analytics because, you know, Blake Snell, because the stats said that he shouldn't face Mookie Betts third time through. Um, <coughs> like, no, no, just, yeah, we got to get starters stretched out more. Uh, I know the philosophy is kind of max effort, especially out of the bullpen. Max effort, you know, your best stuff is gone by the fourth inning. I understand, but let's get some complete games in there. I mean, I Sam... As a pitcher, I know you you kind of nodded your head there. Is that something you want to see too? More complete games. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, I, 
I uh, I saw, I think it was last week, Sandy Alcantara. He, like, threw that fit in the dugout after Mattingly pulled him. I think he had, like, eight dominant innings or something like that, and he couldn't go up for the ninth. And I think they – correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they ended up losing that ball game. But um, he's, like, he's a really fun pitcher to watch. And I know when I'm on the mound throwing, it's it's kind of tough when, um, when you're kind of in a groove. I mean, sometimes you're getting hit up and you kind of want the – the coach to take the ball from you. But when you're in a groove, you, you don't want anyone to take that ball from you. So I don't really blame Alcantara for throwing that fit in the dugout. And then after I saw that, I um I was just doing like a little bit of research. I tweeted out, I'm not sure if you saw, but um I think there's been like 11 complete games in total this season, or at least around there. And then I looked back to as uh, literally as 2011 and James Shields and the White Sox threw 11 complete games himself. So it's it's been a, a really big change just over the last like, 10 or so years which is which is pretty crazy so yeah that that's absolutely why and and i think that um the thing that i always hear is we're trying to save arms we're trying to save health i understand that but if there's one era condition to throw complete games why isn't it now like right we see guys in the off season lifting you know deadlifting 500 pounds you know 450 pounds and then we see them you know, come into the season and throw four innings. It's like, wow, it looks great during the off season. You're getting hyped. You're getting your body in shape, but yet you're not conditioned to throw seven innings. Like, I mean, it, I yeah. feel like there's, it's kind of a, kind of a BS thing. I don't know. In a lot of ways. Um, let's move on here to robot umpires and Jasper. I know you might have some takes on the robot umpires um, possibly coming to baseball because there's, I don't know if any of you guys follow, um, God, what's that account? Um, it's the umpire one. Is it MLB score or umpire scorecards? Yeah. There's the scorecard. Yeah. And then there's the one that calls out all of the bad umpiring in baseball. Um, I'm blanking on the name of it, but it's a great account. And anytime an umpire screws up, they end up on that account. I think it's the ump show, something with ump show. Um, but it seems like it's worse now than it ever has been. Jasper, are you in favor of going robotic with the strike zone? Million dollar question. hundred percent. No, now I'm 70, 30. Um, mm. Just because, I mean, if you're giving me robot umpires, give me robot players. You know, I need a human, I need the human element in baseball. Um, if you're going to do like, why have robot refs for the basketball court? Why have not have robot refs for the NFL? Um, I just think you need to have that human element of the umpire. And then I go over and I see what happened last year with the Giants in their postseason and how one call can just completely take over. Like, it can make the last out. And it's ridiculous that that can happen. But I think there's something to having villain umpires in baseball. Like, where would, like what fun would we have if we didn't have Angel Hernandez? Or I mean, oh, it's, it's so complicated. I just – I love having the human element in baseball. Uh, I love having the – like – half the fun of baseball is watching an umpire go out and get pissed off at an umpire. So I don't know. I mean, I'm not really, I'm not for it. I like the human element. Sam, what do you think? Um, I actually, yeah, I couldn't agree more with, with Jasper, to be honest. I, I like the human aspect too. I think, uh, I mean, I go to Fenway park all the time and constantly, I feel like, like he said, like 50% of the fans there are just, drunk guys yelling at the umps and having a good time doing that so um i also kind of like how how umps like certain umps have different zones like maybe one umps 
more likely to like give you an outside pitch. One's more to like give you an inside pitch. So like if you kind of establish that zone and are consistent with it, I don't have a problem with it because then you have to make hitters adjust and pitchers adjust. So I think there's kind of like a cool aspect with different umpires having different zones. But um, yeah, I just like, I like the human aspect to it too. Obviously like that, I think it was Wilmer Flores on that check swing call for the umpires. That was, that was awful. And it sucks because it sucks when your fan base is on the other side of it. But um, I don't know. I feel like it kind of does kind of give like a, a dramatic effect more towards the game too. So I, I completely agree with Jasper on this one for sure. I'd, I'd probably say I'm around like 70, 32. Like if, if they put in robot umps, I, I wouldn't complain that much, but um, I definitely like I kind of find it funny. Sometimes I'll be scrolling on Twitter and I see like, awful umpire games and i'll see like random fan bases like i think it's the blue jays fans going at it the other day against the white Sox because one of the umpires gave like two runs in their favor and they lost by one but um i mean that sucks but it does kind of give like a, a little bit of like a dramatic effect so i'm with jasper on this one for sure yeah i i'm kind of the opposite i used to be a hundred percent for it i used to be like oh you know i'm down you know they, they have the earpiece say you know for example they have an AirPod in the home plate umpire has an AirPod in and there's a guy somewhere that's, you know, calling balls and strikes and saying in a microphone ball strike while looking at the pitch FX or whatever. And the umpire relays the signal on the, I thought that was a good idea, but then I realized that I don't know if the technology's there yet. Surprising enough when the technology seems to be there for everything in baseball, but you know, you have guys, different heights, different stances, um, some guys are smaller in their stance than their actual height. Um, and also I came to the realization that as much as we see the bad umpiring, we only see the bad umpiring and umpiring is actually like these home plate umpires are like the best of the best. Like if, if we look, it's usually 95% correct almost every game. If we look at the, uh, the scorecard account, which, which Sam mentioned, and usually, you know, 95, 96, 97% correct. So, like, is the technology going to be better than that? We don't know. And also another thing is I don't want to devalue pitch framing uh, just yet because pitch framing is how a lot of the guys are still, you know, functioning. There's still a lot of guys that really rely on that metric to get them yeah, jobs. Yeah, fra- framing is huge right now. Mm-hmm, 100%. Jeff Mathis survived a long time because he was one of the elite framers and um, – guys get jobs. I mean, the first one that I remember, Russell Martin got a huge multi-year deal in in Pittsburgh for stealing strikes. And he had guys, you know, pitchers that um, they added onto the rotation that were noted to throw pitches like a little, a few inches off the plate. And they're like, Oh, with Russell Martin, they're going to become all-star pitchers. And that was Francisco Liriano and AJ Burnett who walked a lot of guys. But once Russell Martin came into the mix, he saved a lot of runs. So it was definitely, it, I, I definitely think that that should still be included, which I was why I'm kind of leaning more towards no robot umpires. But again, I could probably be swayed either way on that one. Um, what about pitch clock? And this is, this is one that's really gaining traction, I think, more than the other ones. I think we hear about this a lot. Uh, but I guess the first question is, are these games too long? I mean, because really that's what that's – if we're going to put in the pitch clock, we're basically coming to that conclusion. Are these games too long, Jasper? No. <laughs> They're so not. You- I mean, it's, it's baseball. It's going to take as long as it takes. Uh, the game is a journey. You go on a journey when you watch nine innings of baseball. You're watching it back and forth. You're watching how people adjust. Uh, and I think putting a clock on it, 
kind of deters that in a way, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't like, I mean, I'd be fine if there was a pitch clock. I mean, I think you don't need two minutes to get set up. And I think there was a Giants game I was actually watching where uh, I think it was Yuri's Familia and he was just like, didn't have it that day. And he had his shoes kept getting untied. It was crazy. That and was he was awful. just taking forever to get his signs and his pitches. And I think in that sense, yeah, you need a pitch clock. Like if a, but I don't know, baseball is such a mental game. I feel like you're going to rattle so many guys if you throw on a pitch clock. So now they're not only thinking about their pitch, they're thinking about the timing of when they get set up. And baseball is all about finding your comfort zone, your groove, your rhythm, especially on the mound. So I don't know. It's a change we're probably going to see. And I think it'll be new at first, but we'll get used to it. Same as any other rule. I like it, but I don't like the fact that it results in a ball if you violate. Like, that's stupid. Come on. There, there's got to be another thing that you could, you know, do. I don't know. Sam, you guys like are the highest paid athletes in the world. Oh. $100, like, find them. Exactly. <laughs> find them maybe for taking too long. Jerry's familiar. You had to tie your shoes. Screw you. Here's 25K that you, you got to pay. So, <laughs> Sam, what do you think about the pitch clock? Yeah. Um, I'm a pitcher myself, so I'm kind of against it just because, like, I kind of like to, like, go at my own pace. I don't, like, work super slow. I'm, like, not that type of guy. And, like, I know what Jasper is saying with, like, Familia tying his shoes and stuff like that. Like, obviously, that has to be sped up more. But um, I think they've done, like, I think they've implemented some good rules to keep the pace of play going on where a pitcher has to face at least three batters now if they enter the game, unless, like, they end an inning or something. And uh, I kind of just think that, like, if you like, yeah, like what Jasper said, like base, I don't go to baseball games like for, for the clock. Like, I just think that, um, that <clears throat> the pace of play should, should just, uh, just not be sped up. I think, uh, I like it's a journey Jasper said. And, um, <clears throat> I think like, I, I'm a Paw Sox, like I'm, I'm a Red Sox fan. So I've been to Paw Sox games and, uh, there was one game where I think it was 27 innings long. So I think, I think that was pretty cool. Oh that like you can have like that crazy long of a game. So uh, sorry, I stumbled on some of my words there, but uh, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty against the clock as a pitcher for sure. 27. Wait, were you there for that? 27? No, innings? no, no, I wasn't there for that. I think they like painted it on like in the concourse or something mm-hmm. like that. But um, I, I think it took like over a day or something like I, I can look it up, but um, that's like, that's crazy to me. But uh, I mean, one team's got to win and I just, it's why I play baseball. I don't, I don't like the clock sports as much like NBA, NFL, just take me to the game. And when the game's over, I'll leave. Yeah. There you go. Things happen. And whenever I think of uh, games taking too long, I always think of the, uh, the, the Kirk Gibson home run and game one in 1988 in the world series. And in right field, you could see very vividly Dodger fans leaving and you see the brake lights at Dodger Stadium in the parking lot as that ball is going out of the ballpark. So it's not over till yeah, it's over. Going, uh, going with the Dodgers, too. I, I know the Sox lost that game, but uh, that Max Muncy walk-off was pretty crazy in the World Series a few years ago. I was I was pretty pretty upset over that. But, I mean, that, that's a great baseball game. That's mm-hmm. a classic baseball game. So I think a lot of the classic games are just, like, games like that are so long. Like, it's just the suspense is, is one of the reasons why baseball is so great. Yeah, speaking of Max Muncy, why is he getting walked on a one-two pit? Why is Tony Larusa? This is way off topic, but we got to get in there. Why is Tony Larusa walking Max Muncy on a one-two count? Like, why is that something that is even creeping into his? And 
I think the averages, the word, oh, trade Turner's batting average on a one, two, everybody's down. Everybody's batting average yeah. is bad with two strikes. So I couldn't believe that. And it's funny because the Giants were uh, after the game. There's a few of them that gather around to watch the video of Tony LaRusso's press conference. And they were like laughing at, at what was going on. And it because it's that laughable. And then he's like, wait, there was controversy about it like that. That's in question. Yes, it's in question. You're walking a guy with, you know, on a one-two count. Sure, you have a base open, but and there's a wild pitch, I think, like the pitch before that advanced the guy. But on a one-two pitch, I, I've never seen – I think I've seen it once. I, like Don Mattingly, I think, has done it once. No, I don't think – I saw the list of times where it's happened. But, I mean, what, what do you guys think about that? That That's wild to me on a one-two pitch. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it was it was crazy to see uh, Tony Larusa. I mean, I like that he's kind of. I mean, Tony Larusa has done a tremendous job of adjusting to modern baseball after not coaching in 2011. Has he um, though? <laughs> I don't know. I I really don't know Tony Larusa. I don't know how long he lasts the White Sox, especially with this scuffle they're in. Um, but I don't know. Tony like you know Tony he likes to drink and I think he's probably laid back he's probably laid off the sauce after the DUI so uh, let Tony have a beer and let him coach that's that's all I'm saying I think Sam do you want to follow that up somehow <laughs> yeah um yeah I, I think I think there's some fire Tony chance after he did that so he's definitely he's definitely on the hot seat right now especially like with the season they've been having I know they had a lot of expectations I honestly I think I picked them to be in the World Series. I think I picked a Dodgers-White Sox World Series this year just because I was so high on the White Sox. I know they've had injuries, too, and stuff like that, so that's been kind of tough to manage. But um, I don't know. I wasn't really, like, old enough to see how good of a manager he was way back when. So, I mean, this is kind of me getting my first taste of him right now. And he's been doing an all right job. I know the White Sox, like, they're still kind of a young team and still, like, kind of coming on to their own. But uh, – that was that was pretty baffling to me because like any I don't care if it's Barry Bonds up at the plate or, or Mike Trout or Babe Ruth like if you have a one two count like your batting average your expected batting average decreases by so much and just to put them on bases is, is pretty crazy. Yeah, and he had a he had a it was a reliever I think too. So it's like I mean anybody in the bullpens nowadays have a what like ten Ks per nine and so like it's not like you're taking any gamble to pitch to him. I mean. I thought that was a little wild, but I mean, LaRusso has been at the forefront of some like kind of new, you know, style managing, like I guess 20 years ago, he was the one guy that was kind of the trailblazer in the whole pitcher batting eighth. And he kind of started the whole relief pitcher, um, you know, ninth inning specify like Dennis Eckersley, you got the ninth inning. That was kind of him. Um, but I think the game's passed him by. Yeah, I agree with you, Sam. I think he's on the hot, the hot seat there and, Maybe he could go back and crash one of his Range Rovers again, like Jasper said. <laughs> um, yeah. Might be going too far with that one. But, uh, yeah. Uh, runners at second base to start extra innings. We're seeing this one for the second or third straight year, I think. It might be third straight year. I think there it, was, it happened in 2020. Um, and I remember asking Glasnow about this, and he said that he liked it because guys get to leave – uh, and other players that I've talked to like it. Uh, but dude, I, this is one that the fans just like, it seems like they don't like, especially the older fans. Um, I'll give my thoughts real quick. I think that 
maybe it should start a little later in extra innings, like the 13th inning, maybe. Um, I think 10th inning, 11th inning, things could still happen. You know, give it, give your batting order a chance to go through and then maybe make a move. But I don't know. It's tough because I, I understand not wanting to see those 17 inning games, but I understand the the thrill of seeing the 17 inning games. So what do you guys think, Sam? I guess, you know, from a pitcher's perspective, it's a little difficult coming into a, uh, a situation with a guy on second already, but overall, just what do you think about the uh, runner at second to start extras? Yeah. Um, I mean, I can kind of see how like, like players personally like it just cause like they can kind of leave early. <laughs> um, and I kind of like that idea. I don't really think about it. Like maybe starting in the 12th or 13th thing. I think it's kind of smart, like maybe letting the lineup go through one more time and then like, okay, like maybe we should start putting runners on. But um, last year, I was I actually took a post-grad year after I graduated high school. And in prep school, they were trying it out, which was pretty interesting. And I had to come in for a close. And I step on the mound, and I'm in the windup. And my coach is like, step off. And I, I just see there's a runner behind me. Like, I didn't even know they put in the rules. So I had to kind of deal with that as a player last year. It was it was pretty interesting. I didn't, I didn't hate it personally. But um, – like I said, like I kind of just like the uh, the drama and suspense of baseball. So if I was to like if I was Rob Manfred right now, I'd I'd take the I'd take the rule out. But um, that's just that's just me. So Jasper, I mean, I'm still getting used to it. Uh, I don't know. I felt like it was going to be one of those COVID era rules that was going to subside, but you still have the DH uh, international DH. So. Um, I don't know. I like the idea of letting players play and letting them hit, but you know, it's something that they want to speed up the game. They want to get folks home early, but I, I mean, I really don't have a problem with it because most people leave in the seventh inning anyways. So yeah, I don't know. It's something where it's kind of just a rule. It's there. I wish it wasn't, but that's just the way the game is trending. Yeah, and speaking of letting the players play, there's been a, a campaign by Major League Baseball called, you know, let the kids play. I guess let the the term let the kids play was more big like three years ago or whatnot, but it's still very much, you know, kind of the, the slogan of the new school emotion that's in baseball um, and bat flips and fist pumps and emotion. Um, I think it's great. I think I think it's great. I think even if you piss someone off with the bat flip, it creates the intensity, you know, there's, there's not enough rivalry, I think in baseball uh, opposed to, you know, you, you have some of the historic ones with the Red Sox and Yankees and the giants and Dodgers. And to an extent, some of the, the local, some of the, the, the ones based on location, giants, A's, Mets, Yankees, those are the, you know, Dodgers, angels. Those are maybe not the competitive ones, but always the, still pretty fun ones. Um, but other than that, there's not a lot, a lot of competitive edge. I feel, and you see guys talking to each other at second base, like, no, like that, that might be fun to see, but let's get some competition in there. Let's get some emotion in there. Let's you know piss people off. Uh, that's kind of my feeling on it, Jasper. I mean, if you're at the plate, would you like be in favor of like bat flipping? Would you bat flip? I mean, I think if, if I hit a ball 450 feet dead center, I'd probably bat flip too. I'd probably give it a look too. But overall thoughts on kind of the the way the game is trending in terms of the emotion being brought to it. It's fun. You need the emotion in baseball. I think there's no way around it. I think 
it's something that you can easily market and that's why the NBA I think has climbed so much in years is their players they're not just athletes they're celebrities um, and you don't have that with baseball and you know if they try and suppress it they're just going to fail at marketing and getting viewers because people want to see that raw emotion they want to see people have fun playing I mean they're paid millions of dollars to play a kid's game you want to see players having fun playing um so I'm all for players showing emotion, having a great time. And I think that's why guys like Julio Rodriguez and Fernando Tatis are so fun to watch because when they hit a home run, they let you know. And it's fun to see. Um, personally, hell yeah. I was a <laughs> asshole in high school. I'd show that a little bit. But, um, yeah, I think it's such a fun part of the game. And I think it's a way for the MLB to market their young stars as they approach their prime. Yeah, and, and if you get drilled the next time up, I feel like that's stupid because, I mean, I, I think it looks bad whenever you give up a home run and then, you know, drill a guy for bat flipping. Like, you're the one that gave up. If you don't want a guy to bat flip, then – Go get it out of the water. Yeah, <laughs> go get it out of the water. Got a lot of Max Muncy references so far. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, if you don't want to – if you do not want to have a guy bat flip on you, then, like, pitch better get them out next time. And my, my rule of thumb is don't look stupid doing it right. If you're going to bat flip, if you're going to, you know, throw your pump, uh, fist pump, just make it look cool. Right. Don't, don't look like an idiot. You know, I think I would kind of shy away from showing up the other team too much and more of it be like a celebration type thing with your own team and with your own self. But like if you're running around the bases and yelling at the pitcher, I think that looks stupid. So my main rule of thumb is don't look stupid doing it. Sam, let the kids play. Are you in or are you not? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm totally in. Um, I'm, I love rivalries in sports just in general, like not even just baseball rivalries. I think honestly the NBA is kind of one of the reasons why I haven't been watching it as much as I feel like the NBA like, doesn't have a lot of rivalries. Um, I hate Kyrie though. <laughs> but um, just as a as a Red Sox fan, I grew up with the Red Sox Yankees rivalry, so kind of just like getting tied into that. I just I think it's awesome, and I think like more emotion and more bat flipping and all that stuff kind of brings on like teams getting on under each other's skin. So, you know, I I love that aspect. Um, and yeah, like you guys said, like if if you let up a home run and someone bat flips on you, and you you're worried about them flipping a bat on you, don't don't let up a home run pitch better than that. Um, and like, also if you get mad, cause like Trevor Bauer, I know he hasn't done great things in the past, but, um, if he's like, I know he's a big guy who shows emotion off the mound. Like if you're yelling off the mound after a strikeout and you're, you're at the plate and you're pissed about that, don't strike out. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm definitely, definitely all for it. And I think MLB has done a pretty good job marketing that. I know they've kind of had it like come to them with stars like Tatis, Acuna, Vlad Jr., those three guys coming up Soto with, like, the Soto shuffle. Like, those guys kind of, like, definitely helped them market the, the We Play Loud stuff. And, uh, yeah, We Play Loud was that commercial, actually, a little while back. That was a cool one. But um, Let the Kids Play. I think this year's, like, Enjoy the Show or something like that. So I kind of like how they, like, have, like, slogans for each season. And I think that's just a good way that they've been able to market stuff because, like Jasper said, like, it's not like the NBA where – they have celebrities like LeBron James, like everyone knows who LeBron James is. And Mike Trout is arguably like just as big of a star in his sport. But I mean, I'm on the East coast. I barely get to watch Trout play and he's not like a big personality. So I think stuff like that's definitely what the game needs right now. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I think, uh, I think I saw somewhere that 
I think I did did the. Uh, I think I looked at this and I saw that Jonathan Kaminga, who's you know obviously a young star for the gold, young rising star for the Golden State Warriors, the world champion Golden State Warriors, has like maybe four hundred thousand followers. Four hundred thousand yeah. followers, and Brandon Crawford, who's been in San Francisco for like twelve years and has been to one World Series championships there, has like. 200,000 or 175. I forgot what it was, but how is that even possible? Jonathan Kaminga, more followers than Brandon Crawford. I think that adds on to the marketability market. I can't say that word market marketable point that uh, you guys were making. Uh, and I should have, I should have gone back to this, but I guess we'll get to it now. Shifting is one that I wanted to mention with uh, kind of the pitch clock and all that, but shifting is, is, is one of those things that also divides people, but this is another thing that the majority of players want is to see the shift kind of go out the window. Um, who knows if a lot of players like playing in the shift, who knows if a lot of pitchers <clears throat> like, you know, having their defense shifted and who knows if a lot of um, obviously hitters want to see it gone, but Sam, from your perspective, would you get rid of the shift? Would you keep it? What do you think? Um, I kind of like how they're getting rid of it, to be honest, even though I'm a pitcher and it's more beneficial to me when I'm playing. I, I kind of like seeing guys, if, if they hit the ball up the middle, they kind of deserve a hit. I don't really like seeing like just a fielder standing right behind second base. Like I know it happens like Joey Gallo and guys a lot who get shifted on and he's kind of made his career over um, advanced stats, which is, which is good for him because he's a three, uh, three true outcome guy. But um. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty against it, to be honest. I even hate when I'm playing, like, MLB The Show, and I'll, like, smoke a line, drive up the middle, and, like, the guy just catches it. I'm like, it sucks. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm honestly, like, I don't know if, if you guys are against it, but I'm, I'm pretty against it, so I'm, I'm kind of happy there. I think they're getting rid of it next year. I might be wrong, but I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah, they're going to regulate it, I think. Yeah. Um, Jasper, are you a big fan of, of regulating the shift? Because I know you're a guy that, watches a lot of other sports and you see defenses play however they want to play. Do you agree with, you know, kind of, kind of limiting the defenses, you know, strategy, I guess. No, <laughs> I mean, I think the shift should be gone um, and it will be, but I think you are, I think the rule should just simply be that out, uh, infielders can't touch the outfield. Shift all you want, but if you get a 120 mile per hour line drive to the head, that's your problem. Like Ooh. it's your fault for shifting, you know. Um, so yeah, I think obviously there is a part of me that wants to say just like Joey Gallo, sacrifice your power for a second and just drop a bunt down the third base line. If you want, if you want to bring that average up, just do it, man. Um, you're a professional baseball player. There's no reason you shouldn't be able to do that. Uh, but yeah, I think I think the shift should go, uh, but. I think you should still allow the players to move on the infield however they want. Yeah. I, I think, think there should be a set zone that the shortstop can be in. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think it's easier said than done when people say, I oh, just hit the ball the other way. Like, yeah, it's easier said than done when guys are throwing 101 miles an hour on the outer half with a 93 mile an hour slider cutter thing that you have to deal with. But oh, well, the thing is they pitched the shift. They're trying to hit you inside. So you pull it. Like, yeah. But the weird thing is sometimes they don't pitch the shift. Like I've seen Johnny Cueto like against a left-handed hitter. Um, I forgot who it was. And everybody was shifted like against lefties. You know, they were in the outfield in, in shallow right field. You know, the 
shortstop was still on the left side playing normal shortstop depth. And Johnny Cueto is throwing like changeups low and away to a lefty, but they're in the shift. It's like, what is the hitter going to do with a changeup low and away? Well, he's going to hit the ball the other way. And like, sure enough, there's a little ground ball left side. Like, why aren't you pitching into the, like, sometimes, I don't know. It's, it's, it feels like sometimes the pitcher and the catcher are on different pages than the defense. So I, I don't know. That, that doesn't make sense to me. And another thing why I think banning the shift would be good is, um, is that a lot of players, I think exit velocity are not exit velocity. Sorry. Launch angle has a lot to do with the shift because guys are realizing left-handed hitters, especially are realizing that they can't hit the ball to the right side of the infield anymore on the ground or even, you know, anything to the right side of the infield. So they're, instead of beating the shift, they're trying to hit the ball over the shift and that's resulting in more strikeouts and the more uh, home runs, of course. Uh, and another thing is, and I keep saying another thing, another thing is that we have second basemen right now that are not athletes that should not be playing second base. Travis Shaw was a second baseman at one point. They tried to play him at second they, Mike Moustakis tried to get reps at second. Max Muncy's. Muncy, you know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, all these guys are that are not second basemen can play there because basically second base, you don't need any athleticism. You don't need to lay out for balls at second base because you're either in shallow right field or you're stationed. And that goes for all infielders. I want to see some diving plays in the infield now, not hard hit balls up the middle. And, oh, uh, look at that. Angelton Simmons is right behind the second base back. No, let's have him lay out for a ball you know, once in a while. And that's how we get, you know, more stuff on the MLB social media page other than Aaron judge hitting his 27th Homer or Shohei Otani hitting another Shohei Otani breathing, you know, let's get some diving plays in there. So that's kind of what I'm excited to, uh, to see next season with, without a shift, just to see like if anything with the strikeout mm -hmm. rate, like goes down a bit. Cause I know hitters will definitely like they, they adjust based on how they're shifted. So um, maybe like if there's no shift, the strikeouts will go down, which would be nice. Yeah, hopefully. And we don't have to see Max Muncy or Travis Shaw there because they're like they're not second baseman. Now they'll really be screwed because they have to move. <laughs> so Travis Shaw. It, where's Travis Shaw? I know he was with the Sox a bit. I know he was with the Sox a bit last year, I want to say, but he hasn't been up at all for us this year if he's still like in in our system. Yeah. But um haven't heard anything from him this year. Yeah, I know he came back to Boston, right? Like he he went to Milwaukee, yeah. then he came back. Yeah. So Travis Shaw, we hope you're out there. He'd be a good guest to get on. Just bring on Travis Shaw and talk about his his ability playing second base. That might be interesting. Um, all right, here's a fun one. If you had to pick a city on where baseball can expand, where would you pick? I'll I'll go first. I'll pick I want to see a team really bad in Montreal. I think Montreal, you know, add another candidate team to the mix. It seems like there's still baseball fans from what I've heard in Montreal who are kind of hesitant to root for the Blue Jays uh, and, you know, Expos were kind of taken from them. I would like to see a team in Montreal, new stadium built there, kind of another international aspect. But I think another good one would be Portland, you know, give the Mariners some help on travel or give, I guess, everybody some help on travel, get another West Coast team in there. Um, cause I got the West coast bias. Um, but, uh, Sam, where would you put a team if you had to pick maybe an expansion city? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to pick two, two places, at least would come to mind really quickly. Uh, I think in a specific team too, I think the Oakland A's 
should definitely be looking to move to Vegas. It's right over there. Um, the Aviators are their AAA affiliate, and they get more fans than the A's <laughs> themselves over in Vegas. And it would instantly become a big market. I know Vegas teams are kind of growing right now. They just got the Raiders. They just got the Golden Knights over there. And I know, like, it would it would go crazy over there. I think I think it would be a pretty fun aspect just for more baseball fans, like, to, to just go to Vegas. I, uh, I wrote down the stat. Yeah, they, had, they have an average of 8,450 fans a game right now in Oakland. And I know, like, the team is not good right now. But uh, if they go over to that big market, they could maybe start to, to win some more ball games and actually keep superstars like, like Chapman and Olsen instead of just trade them away. And then the other city that comes to mind is just Nashville. I think Nashville is like a really cool city. I went down there for a tournament a few years ago with my club ball team. It was awesome. Broadway Street's really cool. They got the Predators over there. And I know there's a lot of baseball fans in Tennessee. And I think that would kind of be like a cool rivalry maybe if they had one with like the Braves or like a team close close over there but i think yeah those are my two vegas and i think nashville would be kind of like a, a sleeper too yeah nashville sounds or we're down there i don't know if they're still around but they might be an independent league team or something but um yeah those are two good places in the a's they're in a tough spot right now with everything going on and the city's kind of just lagging this thing on and yeah forget about the I would, a's. yeah i would i would i would feel bad for oakland fans because i mean they just got the raiders stripped from them too but and the warriors, and the warriors. Like, <laughs> yeah and yeah and from just from like a money standpoint though i think it's kind of a no-brainer for them to go to vegas yeah no doubt about it the warriors of course moved across the the bridge warriors are like a half mile now from oracle park in san francisco so they're not in oakland anymore and hopefully oakland gets a WNBA team that would be cool I heard that that's kind of in the works. Jasper, any cities that would uh, that would stick out to expand baseball? Oh, I completely agree with Sam on Nashville and Las Vegas. I think Oakland or the A's are kind of a lock to leave Oakland at this point. Their owner is purposely tanking them to get them to move. Um, <laughs> Major and then Nashville's style. been another city that people have talked. Yeah, Nashville's been another city that people are talking about. But uh, I'm gonna keep going with Sam, and I think we need to bring baseball back to the south. So I'm even gonna play New Orleans would be a great spot for a baseball team. Um, I mean, the South loves college baseball, and you can see the way they root when uh, the World Series comes to Omaha. It's a huge event for everyone involved there, and especially SEC fans. So I think getting more baseball in the South is going to would be a huge market for them. Um, so yeah, New Orleans and Nashville both be great spots for a team. I thought you were going to say like you know Wisconsin needs another team. You know, obviously with uh, <laughs> with. <laughs> Um, New Orleans Milwaukee would be cool. I, I, I hadn't thought of New Orleans. Sorry to interrupt, but I think uh, that's interesting. I, I hadn't thought of that. That's cool. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. That, that that's a good one. I, I have to see what the uh, the landscape of uh, New Orleans is. But there's definitely some, as you mentioned, there's some. You know, I know Louisiana's. There's some good baseball schools down that way. Um, the Braves are kind of alone down there in that little. For a while, they've been alone. Yeah. Yeah. They got that whole. Uh, they got that entire like sector. They have a lot of Florida too. Like I'd say, honestly, I'd say that the majority of Florida's Braves fans, you know, they're, they don't, I'd say the majority don't root for the Marlins or the Rays. It's all Braves and there's Braves. The Rays got to move too. Yeah. The the Rays, the Rays don't have fans. I'm I'm convinced of it. Yeah. I I hate, I'm not a big fan of Tropicana Park either. I think um, if they move, they, yeah, it's, it's pretty dumpy. 
Yeah, but yeah, Braves have that. And there's so many Braves fans across the country because, you know, they're the only team you could watch on uh, on cable television, Braves and with uh, Turner Sports. So uh, a lot of Braves fans everywhere. But yeah, some good good teams selected or good cities selected there. Uh, here's an interesting one. This is one that kind of we're familiar with. We might have some expertise in, uh, I guess, baseball, how it could attract younger audiences to play. Now, baseball is not affordable to a lot of kids in the, like, say, for example, the inner cities of baseball. And that's why I think that the Players Alliance have been doing some good things. Major League Baseball's got good programs going on. Um, that's, that's one thing that I give credit to Rob Manford a little bit of. No, you know, no matter what he's doing with the whole rule changing and what we saw with negotiations this past offseason, I think MLB has a really good core in their front office on how to reach out to and put on events and, you know, do different things like that, different uh, you know, they had the combine this, this past week, which was new. So I think definitely getting the younger kids involved in baseball and watching baseball is super important. Uh, So Sam, what do you think MLB, I guess, or anybody, I guess anybody in MLB can do to get the younger kids involved and maybe stray them away from, or I don't know, get, get kids playing the game first and foremost away from, you know, cause we're losing good athletes to basketball and, and football. Kyler Murray choosing football was when this debate first came up when I remember, but it happens every year guys have to pick. What would you say is a way to get kids to keep playing baseball? And I guess keep watching baseball too. Yeah. Um, definitely for keep watching baseball. I, I love I'm a big football fan, too. I love the NFL draft, and I know the NBA draft. I think it's on tonight. But uh, I know those are kind of, like, big events. And I know baseball has – I know they also shortened it from 40 to, like, 20 rounds or something like that, which is a step in the right direction. But like you just said with Kyler Murray, um, one of the biggest reasons why I think he chose football also because of more money. But um, he, he didn't want to ride buses down in the minor leagues for forever. So I think if, like, you can – find some sort of system to maybe call up big name prospects a little earlier that can kind of get more people to start watching. I know like Orioles fans have had to wait a while for Adley Rushman to finally get up. And I know every team has like different systems and different ways of like waiting to get guys called up, but it's been pretty exciting, at least for me this year, because you see Torkelson's now up, Witt Jr.'s now up, O'Neill Cruz just got called up. Just a ton of like Julio Rodriguez. I, this year has been pretty cool. Let's just see a lot of a lot of big prospects. Yep. Um, So I think that's that's been great seeing this year. I think that's one of the reasons why um, I've had a lot of fun watching baseball this year, just seeing like how all these prospects are doing and tracking them. So I think from a watching perspective, I think just getting your prospects up fast is is huge. Yeah. No, nailed it completely, and I I agree hundred percent. And it's like on the the MLB draft, it's like we hear. Adley Rutschman and we, we hear his name picked and we see the, the live footage of him and his, you know, on his couch and being greeted by everybody at his draft party. And then it's like, we don't see him for two years. Like, where'd he go? He's gone. Now he's on bus rides and you know, the, I don't know, it's he's disappears. So Jasper, how can we improve? Uh, how can we improve the game? How do we get people more involved in baseball? Uh, well, I got two things. I think one of the biggest parts of baseball is it's not only a sport, it's a strategy. So you got to get people to fall in love with the strategy of the game. I mean, I know personally when I watch baseball, I'm looking for 
kind of the battle between batter and pitcher who has leverage, especially with the pitchers. I'm looking like, okay, so he has a one-two count. What do you think he's going to throw here? So kind of that, I think that's something that really keeps you mentally engaged in the game, especially watching it, because I think it's very easy when you're watching nine, three hours of baseball to just turn to your phone and look at that <laughs> instead of watching them play. But if you can fall in love with the strategy, baseball is a whole other world. Um, and I think that's something you definitely got to get the younger generation into. But that also comes with playing the game. So you got to get them to play the game. Uh, I think another thing that, I mean, and I love advanced stats. I think they tell you a lot about a player, but they are complicated to understand if you're just entering the sport. So I think you got kids trying to do college-level math just to find out if their favorite player is good at the sport they play. Um, so I think, yeah, advanced stats are great, but you got to find another way. Uh, I mean, I remember my favorite thing to do on the back of baseball cards growing up was home runs, RBI, batting average. And I know we're moving away from that. Um, and it's a great way to build teams, but it's also a stat that I mean, kids want to look for. So I don't know. Um, I think definitely making, as you said, the game is it's, you need $100 worth of equipment just to take the field. So I think definitely finding programs, continuing to fund programs that get kids equipment and gear to play the game is huge. Um, but yeah, I think that's, those are the two biggest things for me. Yeah, and I've mentioned this before on this podcast, but I remember in high school, there'd be times where, you know, I'd go to practice after school and um, there'd be like only three guys that I would be able to talk about, you know, the previous night's Giants game with three guys out of like 20 players on the team. They knew what was going on. Like, I I mean, if you ask most high school players today, uh, who's leaving the American League in home runs? I mean, how many of them are going to know? Right. And I, I, there's, I help with my uncle's 13, 15 year old team. Um, sometimes I throw batting practice and I asked them one time, just as a test, you know, who's your favorite player. And there's a few of them, you know, Acuna, um, Vlad jr. But there's a few, I don't knows. And when, when somebody says, I don't know to your favorite player, um, at least give me a few names, you know, but when you say, you I don't say, know, if that, you say, I don't know, you're, you're not watching baseball. You're not exactly. So, yeah. 100%. When you say, I don't know, you're not watching it. Uh, and there's a major issue now that, you know, players don't, you know, because everybody, th- oh, yeah, I watch baseball. But, you know, when, when they watch baseball and when they say that they watch baseball, they're actually watching the 30-second blasts on Instagram of a guy going deep. Like, that's not watching baseball. That's watching the clip of it, you know. And, and there's so many guys that could hit a ball so far. There's so many guys that could throw 95 but, oh, God, when a ball's hit to you first and third, nobody out, and you're playing shortstop, and you don't know what to do with the baseball, maybe you shouldn't watch the game, you know? So so that, that's the one issue that I have right now, and I think T-ball does really well still. Little League, I think, is the most popular youth program around still. High school baseball is great. College baseball does really well. But Major League Baseball, there's something about it where people under 18 just don't watch it, just don't care. Nobody cares about it under 18. And, you know, that's something that I've noticed. And I don't know. I think it's it's kind of a disappointing. And we need to get it kind of on the – I know baseball's baseball, and it's great how it is. But at some point, you need to put it on the celebrity pedestal that basketball and football's on. Yeah. Um, and yeah. there, there's got to be a way of doing that. So that's my mini rant. Uh, and I guess we'll end it with this. This is another fun one. Commissioner for the day, Okay. If you're a commissioner for the day, you could do, you know, anything's on your desk, anything's on the table. You don't need approval by anybody. You're your own boss here. What would you do? I'll start. I think if I were commissioner for a day, 
I would first thing I do is I take out blackouts. That's the one thing that I would do, and that goes into promoting the game a little bit. Is if you're living in like, you know, I guess, say for example, I'm on the West Coast. If I'm living in Sacramento, right, and I'm blacked out of a Giants game, Sacramento is two hours away from San Francisco. Why am I blacked out? You know, because I, I understand you're blacked out because they want fans to attend the game, not watch them that are local. Which, I mean, how are you going to promote going to a ballpark when food prices are out of this world, you know? And then on the flip side, you're blacked out of a game. So that's one thing that that's probably what I would do is eliminate blackouts. I'm sure there's a lot, but that's probably what I would do. Sam, what would you do? Commissioner for a day. What are you looking at? What are you trying to change or change anything? Yeah, uh, I think the blackouts, it's a great idea for someone who had MLB TV last year. It got a bit frustrating when I was at school and couldn't really watch a few games. It's it pretty annoying. I'm not going to lie. But um, honestly, I, I kind of grew up through baseball. My dad played in college. I have a twin brother who also plays in college. Um, my, grand, my grandpa played. My uncle played. My cousin plays. It's just like a huge baseball family. And for me, I think it's, it's kind of like a family event almost and um this would also kind of help grow the game too i think just maybe make i don't know if teams do this too but um maybe make ticket prices just like kids get in free maybe like six seven eight year like maybe eight year olds or under getting free like don't have to pay for a ticket that'll get so many more kids into the ballparks watching the games into baseball just in general so i, I know uh team revenues might be down a little bit but uh team attendance would definitely be up and kids would definitely be playing more baseball so i think that would kind of be my big thing just kids getting free i know that the cape cod league that i'm covering right now everyone gets in free it's all free baseball and so many people come to those games it's a, it's a great way i've seen families just pour in and out of those fields so i think just if you can go to like fenway park or something like that and like you don't have to pay to bring your eight-year-old in you have to pay like a 50 dollars, 60 dollar ticket i think it's just a great way to grow the game yeah, I agree. Too bad capitalism exists. No, just, and owners get too greedy with that stuff. But uh, I agree. I don't want to pay $27 for two bacon wrapped hot dogs at games. And, um, you know, there's $25 a beer and you get a cup, you know. I don't know. Like Jasper. $12 for a beer at Fenway. It's absurd. That is absurd. Yeah, yeah 100%. And also, what I would do is I'd parking sometimes is like double the, the amount of ticket like uh, ticket yeah. uh, price of your admission it's like you could you could pay you know 15 dollars for a single ticket and then end up paying like 60 dollars for parking in in san francisco and it's just like uh, god that's really making things worse and i get that public transportation is advised in some of the bigger cities and gas is expensive now and everything's going all over the place but let's make parking a little bit cheaper so that's another thing that i would add on to that point jasper commissioner for a day rob manford for a day i'm sure you would do things exactly like rob manford right i'm unbanning pete rose first and foremost oh okay that's a good um, one i'm, I'm giving pete his flowers before he uh, leaves us um and number two i'm taking the hall of fame vote out of the hands of the baseball right <laughs> There's no one I find more selfish in terms of the game than these baseball writers who think that they themselves are celebrities. Tom Verducci, one. Bob Nightingale, another. These guys are <laughs> assholes, and they don't deserve to decide. They decide based on, like, yeah, they decide based on morals and stuff. Um, 
But we're headed towards a world where Scott Rowland could be a Hall of Famer and Barry Bonds is. So I think kind of just creating a better understanding of the steroid era and that everyone had to do it, but they allowed it. Um, Because these guys are great players and baseball is just trying to wipe them from their history. So I don't know. Uh, I think that's my biggest thing is making scouts the voters for who gets in the hall and who doesn't. That's an interesting one. Um, as for Rose, I think I think Rose should be unbanned, right? I mean, MLB is like partnering with all these uh, betting sites now and like totally, making yeah. betting. He bet part on of the game. himself too. That's the other thing. He never bet yeah. against his team. Yeah. No. Yeah. I know a hundred percent. When when MLB every five minutes are promoting. You know, it used to be where, you know, you'd see the Vegas odds come out, every, you know, before every season. And then it was like, okay, you can make a pick on, you know, your daily lineup. Then MLB partnered with FanDuel and uh, DraftKings and all that. And now, like, it's MLB down to a full show dedicated to it. Yeah. And now it's like a, now it's like a down to the every pitch. You know, is going to get a hit this pitch? Oh, yeah. 25 cents. Let's go. Um, and it's like Pete Rose is banned for betting on baseball, but, yet MLB is like kind of two-sided in this whole thing and Just I don't imagine know. the marketing they could do with Pete Rose too exactly and he's he's oh. in the spotlight he's in the spotlight still the guy like literally sits and signs autographs for like hours and hours a day and talks good about baseball like that I mean he's he's he a really good bat- you guys like yeah exactly I I would I really hope they find some way for him to get in the hall or at least unban him before he uh before he dies that would because I feel like it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen eventually. I mean, like, like Jasper said, they literally have a talk show dedicated for like an hour a day on like Matt Veskerj is just talking about betting and like lines and all this stuff. And it's it's pretty ironic. Yeah, who had that on their 2022 uh, uh, bingo board? Matt Veskerj and hosting a betting show. So that's yeah, that's definitely. And also, as for the baseball writers, you know, I think they get it right the majority of the time, but. As for the PED stuff, I think it's a bit hypocritical when you have Pudge Rodriguez in there, first of all, who, you know, I think... David Ortiz. David Ortiz, I mean... I'll I'll admit it, yeah, David Ortiz for sure. Yeah, Mike Piazza somehow got in, like, right away. I mean, that was... I mean, Mike Piazza was, like, a 60th round pick and admitted to using steroids in his book, and nobody really noticed... He admitted to using Andro, uh, I forgot what it's called, Andro something, which is the same stuff that everybody hates Mark McGuire for using, but Piazza used it. And then after McGuire was caught, Piazza stopped using it, and now he's in the Hall of Fame. So there's some major... I think the other thing is just, like, stop letting guys fall off the ballot. Like, the fact that people have, like, a span of years they can be on the ballot, I think is stupid. Like, I don't know. Yeah, but I guess if you get under 2.5%, then or what is it under five percent then maybe you shouldn't be a hall of famer but again there are some guys that maybe should have gotten a bigger look like i know if we're talking about non uh you know longevity got johan santana had a really nice peak and i think yeah. he fell off right um well i'm more so talking about like just Barry and them not even being on the ballot oh yeah yeah, yeah I, I, so I agree they I got 60 percent i think they should have like just kind of looked at like bonds clemens and so so like kind of like as their own exception just because i mean those guys were so good for growing the game yeah and they saved baseball at like 94 yeah. everyone thought baseball was done and then mcguire and so so great but one of the great 30 for 30s long gone summer but um 
yeah, those guys, that's home run save baseball, and they're trying to recreate that now, but it's not working out. And who made careers out of it? The baseball writers by writing about them. Right. <laughs> made a lot of money off, off these guys, and now they're trying to punish them years later here. And it was 15 years that they got to stay on the ballot. It used to be 15 years, but once the steroid guys got added on, they lowered it to 10. So like, oh, crap. But I think if they were, you know, given another five years, they would have been on because you got some yeah. of the younger guys rotating in the vote. Um, so, I mean, I think they they definitely would have gotten in. Veterans committee is going to be tough. But then again, the Veterans Committee elected Harold Baines, who yeah. is <laughs> that's pretty that's pretty rough. Um, and any rough Hall of Famers usually voted in by the Veterans Committee. So they don't do a great job, but. That's neither here nor there, but it's definitely a fun conversation to have. And maybe Hall of Fame season comes up. We'll uh, we'll uh, have this crew back on. And we'll debate some Hall of Fame stuff, uh, especially since now it's beginning to be the era of guys getting on the ballot that we watched a little bit. So, um, there because there are some times there were you know I felt like I would wasn't able to have the conversations because I didn't see their whole careers, but. Now some guys starting to get on there. You know, Carlos Beltran's coming up. I think that's going to be a, a hot topic. So Hall of Fame definitely a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, no this this was a lot of fun. We did kind of a state of baseball. I've been wanting to do kind of a big picture thing for a while now. Um, and I, I really appreciate you guys coming on. Sam, first podcast. How do you think it went? I think it was. I think it was pretty good. I kind of lost my train of thought on one of these questions but uh for i mean for my first time i'm, I'm happy with it nice to meet both you guys just talk to you guys about baseball i mean i love talking about baseball i could do it for hours so i had a lot of fun and you know i just appreciate you guys having me on here yeah absolutely man and uh good luck with your with the cape cod stuff future endeavors oh, yeah. still pitching still pitching yep. uh so yeah good luck with all that man and uh I'm knocking over stuff here on my desk. Good luck with all that. And uh, Jasper, great to see you again, man. Obviously, uh, back. back for the summer. We're going to have uh, a lot of fun and uh, going to try and schedule more of these. So uh, appreciate you coming back. Great stuff. All right. Now I'll break the silence and we'll they always do the, the, the never endless awkward awkwardness of wrapping this up. Uh, you guys could follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at RizzoCast. And then go ahead on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, um, Stitcher, wherever you find your podcasts. That's where you could find us. And see you next time. Next episode will be 110. So that's pretty crazy. Uh, so see you guys next time. Subscribe, do all that fun stuff, and have a great day.